0: I'm David S. Dawson from The Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com.
1: This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP.
2: Welcome to episode 385 of the official Gunna Geek Show. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. Howdy, friends. Also joining us today, it's nice that he could join us. It's been a long time. It's been about, I don't know, what, 90, 100 episodes since he's been on. SP's here. Hey, SP.
3: Hey, how's everybody doing? You know, the funny part is I went down a rabbit hole in the last day doing some research into the past of my own podcast going like hundreds of episodes back. So it's kind of funny you mentioned the 90 some episodes (laughs) because there were big blocks of like 90 or 100 episodes I was skipping through. It's it's a trip down memory lane.
2: Oh, I'm sorry that you went back to any of the prior going to geek shows. And that's my apologies to uh, all the listeners as well. If you ever go
3: back. You know, I didn't say it was the Guinea Geek Show that I was looking mm, back on.
2: That's fair. Uh, I have another o- apology to issue at the top of the show. Can I Shocking. can I issue it? Can I issue the Shocking. apology? Shocking. Yeah. This um, yeah. is first, it about our paychecks. For those of you that for a moment um, thought that the show changed to better podcasting, well, my apologies because no, it hasn't. Uh, we we uh, I made a mistake. If you happen to download. The Better Podcasting most recent episode in your feed, and you went. Wait a minute, where's where's the star of this show? Why is Chris away again? And you're like, wait a minute, this isn't the Gunna Geek Show. This is Better Podcasting. Well, well, that's because I accidentally published Better Podcasting to the Gunna Geek Show feed. Apparently, I had too many tabs going, and and it was my my bad. So if you got that on your on your podcatcher, let me just say this: if you are a completionist you got to listen all the way through or you can't say you've listened to every episode of the gonna geek show that's been released
0: look steven i guess the cat's out of the bag we need to let everyone know that it's not going to be the gonna geek show anymore it's the better gonna geek show now.
2: <laughs> better gonna geek i thought that you started that podcast already well if i did it it's obviously not better <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Funny enough, I got the notification that the GunnaGleek.com show was up for renewal.
2: Oh, the domain no. name? Yep. GunnaGleek.com, that one?
3: Yep, GunnaGleek.com.
2: So anyways, my apologies that everybody who got that episode, that was just a complete brain fart. And if you want to come to our Discord server, GunnaGeek.com slash Discord, uh, feel free to ask like how bad a brain fart it was because if you knew all of the steps I had to go through, Oblivious, like you'd be, you'd be like Stephen, you're like, you're incompetent because like I, I literally <laughs> had multiple things that I had to that that went wrong.
3: So <laughs> I was like, how is this even possible? One show's hosted on one media host, one show's hosted on another media host, and it's like crossing the streams back and forth like what did you do i have done cross posting before but i've never done anything that
2: egregious and the best part was the short link i also messed up and put to the guinea geek
3: page so like i was like
2: (laughs) all, all wrong so sorry everybody i screwed it right up
3: so you are living in british columbia right yeah there is a certain substance that is now legal in british columbia right
2: yeah, you're right. I didn't have my, my daily daily hit of that. But uh,
3: I see. That's what the problem was.
2: I thought you just had gummies. I, w- I was talking about Slurpees. I have a lot mm. of Slurpees.
0: I, I thought, thought you like molson. Haribo gummy bears.
2: If you didn't know this, we stream live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern time to www.geeks.live. And we have in a chat room right now, we do have a live chat room, Jason M. Bryant, that is, is saying that it should be called Real Ultimate Podcasting. So that's what apparently it should be as Real Ultimate Podcasting.
3: Oh, great. There's another domain name I'm going to have to go by. <laughs>
2: uh, so you've got a, a pretty neat story here. The Wally Funk story. What's up with that, SP?
3: Sure. we had a great show last Tuesday, the day after we recorded our previous episode. I told everybody it was going to happen. I'm so glad it happened as advertised. So after receiving about a dozen hours of flight training and not wearing space suits, Jeff Bezos, jeff's brother mark, eighty two year old Mercury thirteen participant Wally Funk, and eighteen year old space tourism tourist from the Netherlands were launched into space above the Kármán line on board Blue Origin's New Shepard in a flight that lasted less than 11 minutes. The flight lifted off from Blue Origin's launch site 1 near the West Texas town of Van Horn on the 52nd anniversary of Apollo 11's moon landing on July 20th, 2021 at 9.11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Now, before the flight, Bezos emphatically told both NBC and CBS reporters that he echoed Richard Branson's sentiments and comments that this was not a competition between the companies, despite the rather snarky infographic I tweeted days before the Virgin Galactic flight flown eight days earlier on July 11th, 2021. Now, Basis stated that the Soviet Union's Yuri Gagarin was the first person in space and that he himself would be the 570th plus person in space and that, quote, this is about building a road in space so that future generations can do incredible things in space. We're excited to join the club, unquote. During the flight, the crew carried a piece of canvas from the Wright Brothers' 1903 Wright Flyer, a medallion from the first hot air balloon flight in 1883, and a pair of Amelia Earhart's goggles. Also, Alan Shepard's daughters, Laura and Julia, were on site to witness the flight. Now, Alan Shepard, or as I know him, Alan B. Shepard, was the first American in space on May 5th, 1961. The rocket is named after him, the new Shepard rocket, and the flight is very similar to the flight path that Alan took in 1961. After the flight, Blue Origin announced that it intends to fly two more flights with paying customers in 2021, with the next flight targeted for September. Blue Origin still has not released a per-flight ticket cost on New Shepard. Now, Stephen, I know you watched it. We talked about it. You watched it. Chris, did you watch this event?
0: I did. I actually had it up the YouTube feed on my laptop.
3: Cool. I actually was not feeling all that great. Don't worry, it wasn't COVID. But I was sleeping through most of the morning. And I just happened to get up at about 8.45, 8.50. I'm like, huh, I wonder what time this got. You know, My brain was foggy. It was like, what time is this going to happen? So I turned it on and I actually got to see it. So that's pretty cool. Steven, what'd you think of the production? We've been talking about the production value of all these streams. what did you think of the production value for Blue Origin?
2: It's still all, also a bit of a letdown. Just not, not a lot of live shots to really get our mojo going.
3: I will say, Wally was spunky. I, she was hopping up and down. That was fun to watch. With,
2: that's exactly what I was going to say. With that said, you talked that episode a couple of weeks back that Chris was unable to make. You talked about this and and, and told us a little bit about Wally Funk. I, you never told me what a fiery, fiery spark Wally Funk was. Like, that was just, okay, yes. I, I was let down with a lot of the the production elements or lack thereof. Um, Some other challenges similar to version.
0: But, but it was. made you weren't alive when we landed on the moon.
2: That's true. That's true. <laughs> but Wally Funk made up for it. Wally Funk made up for it. Such a Spitfire. Loved it.
3: Now, for those that don't know what the Mercury 13 program was, it wasn't a sanctioned government program. It was actually a privately financed effort to try to get an uh, American woman into space. There were 13, they were whittled down to three that went to final training. Wally was one of those three, but they never made it to space because there wasn't any funds for it. There wasn't an approval privatized space flight back then. There wasn't development to do it. And it just kind of died on the vine until Sally Ride finally got up in the space shuttle years later, decades later, really. So it was really special for Wally to actually complete that and go up and then Wally of course is the oldest person to be in space now at the age of 82 she beat John Glenn who was 77 when he went up on the space shuttle uh, we talked about that the last time we talked about this now can i just that, tell you by the way yeah. you
2: know highlight though is the fact that Wally Funk lifelong career trying to be an astronaut and now she she gets her astronaut wings awesome
3: well, let's talk a little bit about that because on the same day of the flight, later on that day, blue or the 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 Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA published an order to provide, quote, guidelines, eligibility, and criteria for the administration of the FAA Commercial Space Astronaut Wings Program, unquote. Now, according to the order, which is a revision of a previous order, by the way, the FAA will award wings to commercial launch crew members who meet the requirements in federal regulations for crew qualifications and training and fly on an FAA licensed or permitted launch to an altitude of at least 50 miles or 80 kilometers. So the whole argument about the Carmen line, the FAA is sticking to that 50 mile altitude versus a 62 mile altitude. Moving on, the order also requires those crew members to have demonstrated, quote, activities during the flight that were essential to public safety or contributed to human space flight safety, unquote. This statement is a new addition to the order, and I will repeat it. Quote, activities during the flight that were essential to public safety or contributed to human space flight safety, unquote. So somebody got in there and was like, OK, everybody that goes above 50 miles is not going to get astronaut wings. There is a reclama process. So we'll see if either the Virgin Galactic flight that went up a couple of weeks ago or the Blue Origin flight, if they will reclama to the FAA to earn their wings. Now, one might argue that on the first flight in each case might qualify, but the thing against Blue Origin is that it was a completely anonymous, an anonymous, autonomous flight. It was not flown by those on board at all and that they might not be considered pilots slash astronauts in order to get the wings.
2: Here's the thing, though, about that. Let me interject here for a minute, because that, that I think the autonomous thing is dumb. Like, I think that 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 is so not forward thinking because the reality is we're going to probably have safer space flight by autonomous things happening. Like that, that's the future, right there. It is probably more autonomous stuff happening. So it's like, what is what is that line? So they go up and SpaceX, a lot of stuff's autonomous. Like, why, why is that a variable at all? Like that makes no sense to me.
3: Well, that was just part of the argument. It wasn't actually in the FAA statement itself. Oh, so okay. So I, I don't know what the FAA qualifications are going to be, which gets me back to the point. I don't know if they will consider these first flights to be uh, groundbreaking in terms of flight safety, because I, I think that would qualify as, okay, you're the first paying customers to go on board or your first full crew to go on board up into space and back. So maybe... So, moving on, the revised order does have a provision to provide honorary wings to individuals who would not otherwise meet the criteria. Huh, honorary wings, what does that mean? Well, they spell it out. There could be individuals whose contributions to commercial human space flight merit special recognition. The Associate Administrator for Commercial Space Transportation, or AST-1, has total discretion regarding identifying and bestowing FAA Honorary Award of Commercial Space Astronaut Wings to individuals who demonstrated extraordinary contribution or beneficial service to the commercial human spaceflight industry. These individuals receiving an honorary award may not be required to satisfy all eligibility requirements. The honorary award can be granted posthumously. Unquote. I didn't even start the quote yet, but that (laughs) is the definition of the honorary awards. Now, it remains unclear at this time if the FAA will recognize the Blue Origin flight or the recent Virgin Galactic trip to space with astronaut wings. I've already said that. I just wanted to foot stomp that. that, uh, Who knows? There has not been an official announcement. I know there was presentations involved post-flight in both cases for astronaut wings, but I don't know if they will be recognized by the FAA. And, and, and to this regard, like the FAA doesn't award individual pilots with pilot wings when you get your first solo flight in a Cessna 172, right? So I, I don't know if this is going to move forward in in what sort of version it moves forward. Because you get on board a Delta 737 and you fly across the country. And you get to go to Disney World or whatever. Did you earn your wings? No, you were just a passenger on the flight. So, if you're a know.
0: kid, you did when they give you your plastic wings right. when you get off the plane. That's Still true. Out yes. I got plastic wings as a kid, so I
2: earned them. You did. Mm-hmm. So, so here, here's the thing that I think <laughs> about this whole thing is: as I, I agree, something needs to be revised. I don't know that this is the right revision, and the reason why is because the purpose of this is just for pomp like that like it's just for show that's the whole purpose of the whole wings program like like it serves no licensing function or no credentials function like like it's just there for show as an award that's what it is as an award so why why do we why do we need to define these as so broad things instead make it something like NASA or federal government awarded things because it's the FAA doing this which is a US based organization not a worldwide based organization it's a it's a US organization set on their own restrictions so just make it so that it's only applicable to make it more specifically it, it, it's US oh. authorized space endeavors or something like that yeah. why, why are you still making it so broad like this because all well, it takes so blue origin the next time they go up they they take a big scientific reading or something wow now they get their wings that that's really like they deserve it more than the guys that just went up even though they didn't really do that much in in 6 minutes like it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me this revision
3: you bring up a good point in that both these companies have contracts or are touting the fact that they could have contracts to go into space to fly some short experiments in microgravity, you know, the four or five minutes of zero G that you get at the apex of these flights. So it's a commercial vehicle, but yet you're doing something for possibly a government organization. So does that then qualify you? I don't know. What difference is that between SpaceX Dragon? even Lockheed Orion as part of the or- Artemis project or the Boeing CST Starliner which is supposed to launch this this weekend we'll talk about that in the future so what what difference would that be because those are commercial vehicles yet they're being used for government purposes and mm-hmm. so those astronauts are they going to get wings are is the crew of Inspiration4 which is going to launch as part of a crew Dragon ship in September all privatized, are they going to earn their astronaut wings? Have they done something that is for flight safety? I, I, I don't know.
2: Exactly. And that's why I think it needs to be just specific to like the FAA saying authorized whatever missions, right? Like some form of specific language like that, that it's just, it, it gives, because that, that gives you the distinction there between random space tourist or or random venture that's happening for somebody else for commercial reasons, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't really, because again, it's FAA issuing an award. That's what it is. So FAA should get to decide specifically who it is. And so th- I don't know It needs to be as broad as this explanation.
3: So there are two different programs. There's the government astronaut wing program, mm-hmm. which is defined. And then there's the commercial space astronaut right. wing program, which is what we're talking about. So two different things.
2: Yep. I get that. But they're both they're both being awarded by a government organization, a U.S. government organization.
3: So if this was Canada, would you be behind it?
2: I, I think like Suncast in our chat, he he's reading my mind. He, he says, I think there should be some distinction between going up on a, a sub 15 flight just for the hell of it and someone who goes up and performs some form of activity, for better mankind. and I think that that is where the definition of basically an FAA authorized mission or whatever, right? Like an FAA sanctioned mission or not sanctioned, but FAA, not FAA, like a US government sanctioned mission or or something like that, where it would be more, it would help better define that.
0: I think they should just give the wings to the computers because that's what really flew the mission.
2: Yeah, that too. Why not <laughs> uh, award our uh, our
0: cyber what is it? Our our what overlords? Our for one our- welcome. Our our cybernetic overlords or
3: whatever phrase we yeah, want to use. Yeah,
2: that thing. Make the joke our right AI now here. Overlords. Yeah, there we go. That one. <laughs>
3: I mean, I th- <laughs> this was not completely automated. There was somebody on the ground that was pushing the button to start the program. Fair.
0: I mean, I say that mostly in jest, but I feel like we might be getting wrapped a little too much up into what's the proper definition here that just kind of overshadows the fact of, hey, it's pretty cool that we've got three different privatized spacecraft that are going to be launching within days of each other, in theory. That's awesome. As to the definition as to whether Jeff Bezos and Richard can call themselves astronauts, I don't really care. They can buy themselves whatever titles they want. It's more the other people that supported the mission. that's important in that regard.
2: But see that that I think is an important part right there is you said whether they call themselves astronauts or not. Nobody's gonna take away that because I mean, the, F- what is yeah. the FAA doesn't define what an astronaut is. They they define who gets the wings under their guidelines. They they Look, don't say astronauts.
0: It's PR at this point in right. time. It's hey, we gave them these wings, it looks cool. Everyone has a warm, happy, fuzzy feeling inside because we did this, which is not a bad thing. I'm trying I sound like I'm being a little cynical <laughs> there. I don't intend to be. It's a good thing when you have positive stories about space exploration and things like that, because it gets people hyped and gets people excited. I I feel like we're trying to draw a definition in part because of some of the people that were on that flight and in part Mm. because of some factors that exist outside the fact that these companies did something fairly remarkable.
3: Fair enough. and as I pointed out before, the US was not the first official entity to have commercial space tourism. That's it a good goes point. to the Russians. I mean the Russians were first in space, first space tourism was on board their stuff, I mean and and we don't just have these companies now. We do still have the Russian space agency, Roscosmos, and their operation. We also have the Chinese that now have a space station up there and then are actively going up and down. And as we talked about before, India's close behind. You have programs in Japan. There's stuff all over the place. I'm just wondering when Canada's going to get its own rocket. (laughs) Uh, The only last thing
2: that I want to throw in here is that um, now that I've seen the two, I just have to say, since all this wing talk has come up, um, which again, Wally Funk deserves her wings, but uh, I do think though that Virgin wins this one here because as they're coming back down, Blue Origin, big big capsule, Virgin is like an airplane. Thus, the promo can be as they're coming down after space, they can start playing Bette Midler, Win Beneath My Wings." That's why Virgin wins it. No, no comment. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> All right, Chris, go ahead, though, and tell us a little bit about this craziness that's continuing in the WB land.
0: Right. So this is an interesting story, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the streaming wars right now. And remember last year, when, as the pandemic, we we're deep in the throes of the pandemic, and we start, I believe we talked about on this show, the story that HBO Max was going to be having all Warner Brothers new release movies for the first 30 days they are out in theaters, available on HBO Max and in theaters as well. And a lot of people, myself included, kind of theorized, hey, this is an interesting little test they get to do over the pandemic to see how new release direct-to-streaming works out, whether it drives subscribers, things like that. And I'm pretty sure I was someone that said, I'd be kind of surprised if they did this in 2022. Uh, Yes, I was wrong, evidently. Uh, In 2022, Warner is going to continue to follow this hybrid movie release model With a catch, though, they're only talking about doing it with 10 movies, not Mm. the entire slate of releases like we're seeing this year. So things like James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, we know is coming to HBO Max. We've got Space Jam there right now. We've got Dennis Villanueva's uh, Dune will be coming there. And we can touch on some of those issues at the end of it. But they are going to continue using Warner Brothers assets to effectively lure subscribers to the HBO Max service throughout 2022. How do we know this? Well, it's earnings call time, guys, which means we get a lot of the CEOs and the bigwigs talking about what their plans are. So during AT&T's second quarter earnings call this week, the company's executives were asked about how the pandemic release model would shape a more permanent release strategy going forward, particularly in relation to theaters. Jason Kilar, the Warner Media Chief Executive Officer, replied and said that while the motion picture format absolutely matters, The company also feels very good about the response that consumers have given in the home. Klar then went on to say that Warner Brothers will be producing 10 films that will debut on HBO Max the same day they release. While it's not clear which of these titles or which titles these 10 will include, the decisions do indicate that the pandemic has shifted their thoughts into how Warner Media will tackle movie releases going forward. Klar also stated that the company does not plan to return to a film release strategy of the past. This is interesting. Now, it is only 10 movies here, but you could see an interesting trend here where they go, hmm, we're not so sure this movie is going to do as well in theaters, but we can get some buzz by putting on HBO Max at the same time and drive eyes to that service. Or conversely, if they want to ensure that they're getting more HBO Max subscribers, they could say, take the next DC superhero movie and say, hey, This will be releasing both in theaters and on HBO Max, and arguably that would drive subscribers to HBO Max, especially if as we're in the throes of the pandemic still, just not quite as intense, but also from a perspective of, well, if I subscribe to the service for a month, I can watch the movie as much as I want in that time and not have to buy five tickets for my entire family to go. So it's going to be very interesting to see where Warner Brothers goes with this, but more interesting, I think, will be to see how their competitors follow or do similar things as them. We've seen that Disney has their premier access to things like Black Widow right now. We've seen some of the Pixar movies throughout the pandemic. Paramount Plus has been debuting original movie content on their service. Same with Amazon Prime. Now, granted, Amazon Prime, I think, does the same kind of thing Netflix does, which is put it in theater screens for like a week so it can get considered for movie awards and things like that. But we have seen a shift now where things that are going to the big screen are coming to streaming at the same time. And it did not, in fact, go away. So the real question is, what is this going to do to the industry as a whole? And I, for one, am really curious to see where this goes.
3: Absolutely, Chris. I'm so glad you brought this story up front, because I was wondering what Warner Brothers was going to do when I went over the box office for Black Widow and what Disney Plus had done with the premium video on demand. It is impossible to equate apples to kumquats here because Warner Brothers is doing it one way, Disney Plus is doing it another, and Apple TV Plus is doing it one way, Prime is doing it one way. So it's impossible to equate one for one. But
2: What about apples to kiwis? Can can we equate apples to kiwis?
3: (laughs) Can we do kiwis to kumquats? That works. Okay. (laughs) So the, the big thing, though, I think you hit it, the nail on the head at the end is Things are not static across the board that these companies keep trying to fiddle with their, their recipe on how they're doing this because what they really want to do is make money. They want to make that sweet box office money that they were making in 2018 and 2019 and the years leading up to it. And they are not doing that now. They are not doing it when you consider the the theatrical releases with the direct to video releases with those in between, I think for large parts, we can consider the Wonder Woman movie to have been a streaming only release. I mean, I know it made seventeen million dollars opening weekend in the theaters, but that was you know, not all theaters were open, whatever. So it was largely a streaming release on HBO Max. Now how do you relate that? HBO Max subscription, which you need, to the Disney Plus subscription, and then the vid- premium video on demand. I think that if you take a look at the Black Widow release and the 67% box office drop in week two, the way they did it with the $30 premium video on demand is not sustainable either. So Warner Brothers, you get to see the movie for a month, and then it goes in some sort of vault for a while, and then eventually it comes back in streaming. If for the Disney Plus model, you get to buy the movie, you have it for as long as you have your Disney Plus subscription to when it comes out in the Disney Plus normal for free streaming. It's different ways to go about it. And I don't think either have been successful. I don't know if we're going to a rental fee. I don't know if we're going to uh, one of these models is actually going to win. I I don't know. But I honestly don't think either model is sustainable right now because neither model can sustain the production of these movies. One thing that could happen, the last thing I'll I'll say here, I know I've been talking for a while, one thing that could happen is that these studios actually drop the total number of movies that they make per year. So we get back to a more 1970s, 1980s style of production where you have a limited number of movies that are available each year.
0: And I don't think we can actually accurately gauge things until the vast majority of people feel safe going back to the theaters again. Because Black Widow, week one, you got all those people that are like, hey, I finally feel like I'm ready to go back. I'm going to go and watch this. And most people probably felt safe enough to go once. I don't know if they felt safe enough to go multiple times. And then with that dip, we saw the fact, also, people might have bought Premiere Access, but we saw the fact that there's a hardcore group that'll go watch a movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not as big as people thought it was. And I think that's partially responsible for those numbers dropping. And to be honest, I have no idea when this returns back to what the old normal was. Let's think of a Marvel method here where a movie's in theaters for, what, 12 weeks? Makes close to a billion dollars, depending on what it is. I don't know when we get back to that. It could be years at this point in time. And right now, we have a fragmented market because everyone's trying to find that new approach to try and make money equivalent to what the old format was. And the simple fact of the matter is you're not going to do that.
2: Here's the thing that I think is important that everybody remembers when it comes to, to this is that they're not they're They know where the world is going for next year as well, which is, is that like, we're looking at it through the lens of North America where we've been fortunate enough to to, you know, there's countries that are doing better than us, but we've had lots of vaccination happening here, worldwide. Lots of places are still waiting, but then you look at us with our vaccination situation, and we're starting to get more breakthrough variants and things like that. So, so th- I think that that's what they've probably done here is they've gone, all right. Well, we know the world has a long way to go still with with vaccinations before. They can even consider getting back to theaters. We can kind of see things aren't as great as we thought that they were going to be in U.S. six weeks ago. Looks like we're headed towards more spike. That's probably going to bring people out of theaters again. So I I think that they're smart just to make the decision now and go, let's just count on everybody being closed next year and we'll just keep on keeping on um, with this process. And at least we'll be able to keep movies going and keep. Our, our production house is moving and keep delivering content because otherwise, if we bank on that theater, it's probably not going to happen. I think that, that it's more of, more of a realism approach that they're taking to the current worldly situation. That's my thoughts. And I'll be honest, I
0: like going to movies and theaters, but convenience is going to trump that at some point in yeah. time, especially if they continue following this model. And if you can go see that big release that you really wanted to see, and I'm sure in Steven's case, it's going to be a lot more different than mine where I'm buying a ticket for my wife and I, Steven, if your whole family's going, it's what your two kids, yourself and your wife. So you're buying four tickets, popcorn, snacks, sodas, and you look at your wallet at the end of it and go, Holy crap. I had to spend a ton of money to go see this. Whereas if it's have a subscription or pay 20 bucks on Disney plus or whatever, and watch it as much as you want, that's a lot more flexible, a lot more easy. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. It's interesting, though.
3: It's not just the payment in watching it at home versus watching it in a theater. As we've mentioned before, home theaters have increased to the point where I realize it's not a big theater, but you get a big box office experience at home with a decent sound system and a decent screen. It's not as big of a screen. I get it. But you're in a smaller room. So... It's getting closer inequality, And I don't know what the future of theaters really is.
2: But what about our 3D SP?
3: <laughs> I was just thinking of virtual reality versus 3D or augmented reality. Yeah.
0: Well, one thing to keep in mind as we put a pin in that is also that the younger generation doesn't care as much about that big theater experience or the yeah. home theater experience. They're watching on their tablet or their iPhone it's or true. they're breaking it up into segments as they're riding the bus between work and home or things like that. So... Big theater experience isn't as important to a larger demographic now.
2: That's true. Well, moving on to our next news point here. My next one is actually a couple of weeks old, but hey, it's kind of relevant to some of the things we've talked about on the in a Geek Show before. And I wanted to follow up with something that we've previously discussed when it comes to the world of security cameras. You may recall that in the past, there have been conversations that we've had about certain controversies that have been out of the world of Ring cameras. For those who might forget, Ring is a camera system company. They made their, their big bang being video doorbells that Amazon actually purchased a few years back. Anyways, there has been a couple of key controversies when it comes to Ring and the footage. The first was that you might recall there was a few employees at ring that were let go in the early 2020 uh that's right way back in 2020 and they were let go because they were caught snooping different customers footage but another controversy that's come up is whether or not ring provides footage to certain authorities if it's properly legally requested both of these though controversies stem from the same problem essentially your footage is being stored by Amazon in a capacity that, that they have access to it. That, that's what it comes down to. But Ring apparently is now rolling out a global thing that they've, sorry, rolling out globally, something that they've been testing for the last couple of months in the US, which is end-to-end encryption. Essentially, what this means is that the video will be encrypted and then only be able to be decrypted, aka viewed by the intended person at the end. So while it was sitting up on Amazon, apparently they do not have an ability to decrypt this. Only you have the power to decrypt. And so that's what they're doing is this end-to-end encryption. And this means that apparently without the proper credentials, they won't be able to view it. If authorities get it, unless it's decrypted, they won't be able to view it. So that's apparently what this end-to-end encryption is. And they have been rolling it out globally. But here's the thing is it's not actually enabled for their entire line of products. At the moment, it's only set to work with 13 products, which are hardwired. They have said the battery powered doorbells do not support it. I kind of myself want to know a little bit more about how this works. Is this something that you're actually setting up a password? Like I know some of the the other companies that are not the big guys out there. They have advertised end-to-end encryption where you put a password in that helps generate that encryption key. And that's how they do it. Is that how this is done? I, I couldn't see how the actual encryption was done. Or is it just tied somehow to your account credentials? And if that's the case, does that mean that they could just change your account credentials to get in? So I, I want to know a little more about the technical workings of this. But in any case, I, I like seeing that they've started going up the end-to-end encryption thing, because this has been a big question mark, especially after that. I think there's more than one, but the big one was early 2020, where Amazon admitted they fired some employees for viewing footage. SP, what do you think about this?
3: The cloud storage is actually a bonus when it comes to security cameras, because then you don't have to worry about somebody cutting the line in the feed, like going out with the power or uh, to the camera, at least. Or uh, a thief taking the SD card right out of the camera, or something like that. Um, I have a DVR that's local for my surveillance system that is not tied to my Ring cameras. I have a couple of Ring cameras, including the doorbell, and I enjoy the ability to have this multifaceted video surveillance system I won't say security system surveillance system around the house with that said all it has to happen is somebody cut the internet and bing before they get to your house and you're not gonna be able to have any record of what happens you'll have a record of what's happening like maybe right beforehand if there's some sort of motion detection but odds are Whoever's doing it, cutting off the internet will cut it off uh, where it's not view your camera. Um, So I think that as long as they're going to store the video there and they do store it for a while, I mean, if you have a a paid plan, they'll store it for, I I can't remember what it was, at least 30 days, if not 90 days. It
0: varies on your plan, I think. Right. If it's like how Nest does it.
3: So let's just take, for example, uh, I have one in my garage and I'm out working in my garage right and um i'm do, i'm installing a, a new trailer hitch on the car and it just so happens when i get up from the car that something snags my shorts and depantses me and it gets caught on camera and then that gets uploaded to mm, the cloud that's right? a good point yeah something that nobody wants to see right uh <laughs> but but say it's something that somebody wants to now uh blackmail me for, right. or, or whatever. And they could in, in the society of, of posting, uh, the, what was it called? The fat Mageddon or, or whatever. And not like this would be, uh, appealing to anybody, but. Fappening. Fat, the fappening. This could be posted in, in one of those reveals, right? right. Of, Oh, look, here's SP. He, he's a, a podcast, well-noted podcaster, and he can't keep his pants on. That that sort of thing. And like I, I was just working in the garage and my pants came off. You know, it happened doesn't happen often, but it, it happens when you're doing house projects from time to time, right? That stuff silly stuff like that happens and now it's caught. I would want that encrypted, mm. first of all. But second of all, I don't even know if it's encrypted that I really trust it because the encryption's only as good as the next hacker. So a valiant effort, but I don't know if this changes my opinion on how secure the video is or not.
2: Well, that's one of the technical things that I'd like to know more about, because end-to-end encryption has been huge in messaging over the last couple of years. So I'd, I'd like to know a little more. I can't wait for people to test this because it is something that I think if it's the right end-to-end encryption and people have tested it and, and whatnot, then um, I I could see myself finally getting a Ring product. Because at the moment, there's been... This this has been one of the big things that I've not wanted a ring product for. Uh, Chris, what do you have uh, to think about this?
0: Eh, it's what they had to do to satisfy people to feel safe with the product. If you don't feel safe with ring products, this probably isn't going to change your mind. And if you do, this is another thing you put in your back pocket, and be like, oh, I'm firm in my decision to have gone with this product. I don't think it's going to change opinions either way. Steven, I think you're the exception in this case.
2: I, I recognize that I am. Yeah. and. Yeah, uh, I, I I I'm one of those on the paranoid side of um, some of these companies having these products. Well, there's definitely. nothing
0: wrong with that. I'm just saying that your traditional consumer mm-hmm. probably doesn't consider things like that. They consider, hey, can I have footage if someone breaks into my garage, and if I do, how easy is it for me to retrieve it? That that's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about any other implications and. There are other implications to consider with Ring. We've talked about it before with their backdoor services and other things they provide for their neighborhood watch tools and Mm. things like that that were uncomfortable, I guess, might be the way to put it, unless you knew how to opt out, things like that. It's a step forward. Encryption is good. It's good for the user when your data is encrypted.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, moving on to the next news point here, uh, I believe it was Obi-Wan Kenobi that ju- that once famously said, that's new moon. Is that what he
3: said? That's no station. moon, that's a space station. <laughs> I think that's what the quote, I don't know. I'd have to go, it's Star Wars. I've only seen it a couple hundred times. Anyway, just when you think you know everything about our solar system, it goes ahead and surprises you. An amateur astronomer, Kai Lee, we'll say Lee, L-Y is his last name, has or her. I don't even know if it's a guy or a gal. I'm sorry. Has discovered another moon orbiting Jupiter. The announcement was reported in Sky and Telescope, which is a monthly online online science media outlet owned by the American Astronomical Society. And oh my gosh, I cannot speak tonight. I'm sorry. The original announcement was made on the Minor Planet mailing list on June 30th. Lee made the discovery by regressing data taken in 2003 by the Canada-France-Hawaii telescope that had previously discovered 23 Jovian moons. The discovery, if confirmed, would bring the current tally of Jovian satellites to 80. And this would be the first confirmed planetary moon discovered by an amateur astronomer. As This is pretty cool. This is like a hobbyist. But instead of podcasting, it's astronomy. And Lee discovered a new moon that's awesome that's like galileo level stuff
2: that that is really cool and i look forward to you having them on better astronomy podcast
3: better better geek astronomy podcast. i don't know whatever (laughs) we'll make sure jason makes up a nice name for it
2: there you go uh when are you gonna uh discover a new moon sp because you're you're the the space guy here and i feel like. It would be it's cool because we go, we know we know rocket scientists, but and maybe I I won't speak for Chris, but I think I think he shares the same opinion that we would much prefer it if it's like, hey, I know a guy that discovered a moon.
3: Well, that's great. You know, I do have this passion for space telescopes. I've worked on space telescopes before. We talked about it here on the show. I don't know if I talked about it on air or not, but I did apply for a job at a space or at a terrestrial-based telescope. Matter of fact, I think it might be the same one that was used here in 2003. And uh, yeah, I would love to do that, but right now I don't own a telescope and I don't have the time to go regressing data from telescopes that have taken observations. But uh, as soon as I stop podcasting, I can go ahead and do that. So you know, if you want to replace me on the show, then and better podcasting, then I'm sure I can make that happen.
2: Uh, and one last question that I have about the new moon. Are you uh, Team Edward or Team Jacob? I'm assuming that's the <sighs> new moon we're talking about, right?
3: Yeah. So anyway, this moon is only 14 miles across or less. It's called the Carné, I believe, level of moons, jo- jovial moons, which are 14 miles across or less. So it's basically just a big rock in space. So whatever team that puts me on, then you'll have to let me know. I have no idea. I lost interest after I watched sparkly baseball.
2: <laughs> oh, Chris, what do you got going on in this next news point here, which sounds cool? Look, I'm just glad we talked about
0: new moons. No one showed their butt. I'll be
3: honest. That, that's all I'm thankful for.
2: That's the director's after- cut.
3: after just talking about it in the previous segment too.
0: It's going to geek after dark. All right, let's move on to my news story here. So we've talked about cell phones and gadgets on this show. A lot of times we've had the Note Watch before when phones were exploding. In fact, we talked about the Galaxy Fold phone, the Gen 1 one, when it came out about how it was an intriguing product, but kind of suffered from issues where the screen was a bit fragile and things like that. And guys, I don't know if you realize it, we're up to the third generation of the Galaxy Fold and Galaxy Flip phones, they'll be coming out, I want to say, in August is when Samsung's wow. event is. Wow. Yeah. Third generation. And on a side note, supposedly Google's going to be dropping a Pixel Fold phone sometime soon, too, have- based off the leaks.
3: Yet to see one out in the wild. Have you guys actually seen one?
0: Very briefly, but I also work in IT. So that's a lot of folks that are like, ooh, I need to have the coolest, latest gadget. Uh-huh.
2: I can tell you, I I set up all sorts of trap cameras and I have yet to see one in the wild.
0: Right. (laughs) To be honest, if they weren't so cost prohibitive, I would love to have one when I was playing Pokemon Go a lot because you would put Pokemon Go on one side of the screen, you could put Discord up on the other screen to coordinate with things. But it was never worth the price, especially when it came to what some of the weaknesses were with the phone. And why I bring that up is Samsung may be addressing some of the weaknesses that were inherent in the folding phone. There are new leaks that suggest Samsung's excuse me Samsung's upcoming Galaxy Z Flip 3 and the Z Fold 3 will both have IPX8 water resistance. This puts them more on par with their non-folding phones. This information was posted by Max Weinbach and has now been corro- corroborated excuse me by Evan Blass who we all know as EV leaks who has gotten a bunch of news stories and leaks out there. He tweeted the rating along with what appears to be an image from Samsung showing these phones getting splashed with water. So as before we dive too deep into here, what does it mean for something to have an IPX8 rating? So IPX8 is not entirely a valid IP rating, but you'll occasionally see it on websites offering enclosures that's, that'll offer enclosures for things. The X simply denotes that the value for that number is missing. You can replace it with zero assuming it has not, it does not have ingress protection ratings. What does that mean for this phone? No ingress protection rating, meaning dust and things like that, could in theory still be a problem. The 8 in the IPX8, that stands for Protection Against Extended Immersion Under High Pressure, i.e. Greater Depths. Precise parameters of this test will be set and advertised by the manufacturer and may include additional factors such as temperature fluctuations and flow rates. So the rumored IPX8 rating for the phones covers water resistance, but does not cover dust resistance, which we have seen is a problem on all of these folding phones, because if dust gets in between where that screen Mm -hmm. is and the glass layer on top, we have seen that be the cause of breaking pixels and getting random weird dead pixel spots on your phone. To a lesser or to a greater extent, we saw what happened when someone literally put a bunch of gravel inside their Galaxy Fold 1 Mm. and opened and shut it a bunch of times and we got rock dirt and dust and stuff that got in the hinge. It ended up nuking part of the display. So we've got water safe, which is awesome because prior to this, they were not water safe. If you dropped it in a pool, you better put it in the minute rice immediately to see that you can save it. This should be solved now. The dust issue, not so much of a solution. And I would say, from my personal opinion, don't expect these enhancements to change the price. I don't think they're going to make it lower or make it higher based off of dust, excuse me, based off of having waterproofing but they can spin this capability as something that makes the higher price of foldable devices more palatable because they're less fragile now. Now, that being said, we're in the third generation now and we've got a waterproof capability. you got to think that what's on their roadmap eventually is to find some way to have that hinge and seal it off appropriately so that you can get that dustproofing rating too. So, The advancement of the technology is really cool here, but I don't know about you guys. It doesn't make me go, oh, my God, I have to buy this phone because it's still more fragile than I would care for for the price tag.
2: As the guy that just dropped his Pixel 4a into a um, almost deep into a flooding sprinkler head, luckily, luckily, the the case took the brunt of the water. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you a lot, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't bad enough I dropped it on the pavement. It, it flipped into the, the big puddle that was sitting right there from the broken sprinkler head.
3: You guys remember a couple years ago when I had my iPhone 8 Plus and I drove over it in the middle of a puddle and it yes. was yes. still working after that?
2: Yeah, you yeah, drove over with a GMC Sierra 4x4 crew cab, right? I not, didn't,
3: but somebody else not did. Not a Tesla Cyber oh, right,
2: truck,
0: right. Tri motor. Um,
3: this was before Tesla the cyber truck. It's a couple of years before. It was before I got my iPhone uh, 12 Pro Max. So that was face down and judging by what you're telling me that would have been difficult for this folding phone to survive because of the impact on the uh, the screen from the um from the actual pavement below the tire. Anyway, what I was going to say is what they really need to do for these phones to achieve A little bit more popularity within the uh, like the teens and the in the twenties and stuff like that is they need to drop some in some of these floating rivers and then have these YouTube channels that come across like Man Plus River or whatever and then find the (laughs) phone
1: in the water
3: that is still functional. That will instantly win it more fame because, first of all, the guy wearing the scuba mask will go "Ah, ah, ah, ah." all excited and whatever. It's it's totally fake, if you ask me, (laughs) but all excited. And he grabs the phone and, like, turns it on and it's still working. So somebody just dropped it, was still charged, whatever. And uh, then there is this emotional thing of him bringing it back to the owner, sometimes still right there, they use like find my iPhone or whatever to locate it. And they're like, Oh, there's my phone. He gives it back to him, not staged at all. Not, not saying it's staged, but not staged at all. And then, uh, a lot of people go, wow, look, that phone survived being in the water. I want that phone.
2: And would we use influencers for this? Is is that your thoughts? Well,
3: Well, I think that's, I, these YouTube channels are right. done by influencers. So <laughs> absolutely. I, I would, uh, you know, if I was one of these companies, I'd be like, oh, we're just going to drop this over here. Bloop, you go find yeah.
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's what I thought you were saying. And I, and I hate to burst your bubble, but that's where it falls apart because, uh, young the phone t- literally y- falls y- apart. No young tech influencers. They don't yeah. go outside.
3: Well, these do, they're scuba divers. They yep, have to. Yeah,
2: but nobody's going to, you're not going to use scuba divers. They're not going to get the traction. They're going to want the tech influencers. That's who they're well, going to the want to te- do these the advertising.
3: Tech the tech influencers have to go outside to fly their drones. But they're not
2: going, they don't anymore. They're the they're young whippersnappers. They just stay inside all day playing the video games.
3: Then how can you <laughs> test tech? I don't understand. They don't test tech. It's all CGI. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Seems. Yeah. I mean, like all the cars and car ads now, they're not real cars. They're CGI.
2: Exactly. They don't even put on their on and closed course anymore because they're not real. <laughs> yeah, it's not real. Yeah. It's
3: not the real. And uh, that's true. It's a CGI. If you don't know yeah. this, if you're watching yeah. a car commercial, the car that you're watching is not a real car. It is a CGI car.
2: It used to say professional stunt driver on closed course. Now it doesn't say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, I like your idea and I hope they pay you the, uh, the money you deserve. The consulting fee. The consulting, fee. consulting yeah. fee. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, last news point that we've got here. Uh, SP, wanted to talk about his new moon. I will talk about my new world.
3: Uh-oh. I know. We found Planet X. It's true.
2: Planet X. No, this is about Amazon's new world. Because if you didn't know this, they have been beta testing a game called New World. Early buzz has been fairly favorable for it. Unless, of course, you own an, uh, own an RTX 3090 video oh, no. card.
3: How many people own an RTX 3090? Well, apparently, like, not at,
2: apparently <laughs> at least a couple users own one because at least a couple users this past week have reported that they have seen issues when they've been trying this game on an RTX 3090. So what's the problem here? Well, is it, is it poor game performance? Is it a locked up computer? Well, kind of all of the above, because the users are reporting that their RTX 3090 video cards are dying, completely dead, fried. That's what these couple of users are reporting. Ooh. Now, in a statement, an Amazon spokesperson did say hundreds of thousands of people played in the new world closed beta yesterday with millions of total hours played. We've received a few reports of people using high performance graphics cards experiencing hardware failure when playing new world. With that said, people are there are some 3090 owners who have reported that things have been totally fine. But here's the thing. The 3090 is one of the, like the newest video cards out there, if not the newest, and video cards even a generation and two older are so hard to get right now. Prices are through the roof. If it was me and I was using a 3090, not a chance would I keep beta testing this video game at all until they figured this out. Because this is insane. Who knows? Could be something adjacent. It could be there's a common connection in there, like a motherboard doesn't handle it, it properly. And, and that's where it fries it. I, I don't know what the reason is. But if this is true, and a couple people had their 39s died due to this, and, of course, we don't see 3090s dying elsewhere because there's always that chance that maybe it's not just this game. I would I would be very worried. <laughs> very worried. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially if you shout out the money and sat in one of those lines and you yeah. get a 3090, and then all of a sudden your card is fried. That, yeah. That's a problem. That's a massive problem.
3: <laughs> I kept reading this statement by Amazon, and it went on to say, quote they're holding it wrong. (laughs) I
2: mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I I really want to know more about this. I I hope they can get some information. And further, I hope Amazon finds a way to do the right thing. And I think we all know what the right thing is for these people with a 3090. And it's that they use their muscle to find them a 3090 to replace the 3090. (laughs)
3: Well, I what's the warranty on those? Is there any warranty on a graphics card? I've never had to use one. So what? probably, I don't yeah. know.
2: Yeah. Cuz cuz that's fair. I think on one hand you could argue like it, it is is it the manu- is it a manufacturer defect? On the other hand, maybe there should be a safety for whatever this cause was. Maybe there should be a safety in place to stop this thing from happening because you know, malicious software and things like that, right? So, I don't know. Uh, I really am looking forward to finding out more, whatever it is, even if it ends up being a coincidence that it's a 3090 or there's a feature on the 3090 that that really makes it not a new world problem. But I, I want to know more. I, I want to know more about this.
3: So, so you're saying the 3090 needs a safe word. What's the 3090 <laughs> safe word going to be?
2: Oh, my God, stop. (laughs) Uh, In the chat, by the way, Suncast is saying he thinks the video cards are banned in some U.S. states due to energy consumption. Um, They might be. Very well could be. Very well could be. But that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Before we wrap up, we just want to say, hey, if you've got a 3090 and you've reached the end of this episode, we didn't fry your 3090. Congratulations. Uh, but <laughs> Chris, or SP, me: Is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Let's start with you, Chris. If your thirty ninety got fried
0: during this episode, it's not our fault. Blame Amazon because somehow it's their fault. I'd, I'd also I you.
2: can can I also make a suggestion that if you have a thirty ninety and it and you think it's fine, it looks like it's operating fine. Maybe you could just give it to Chris and he'll give it a test for you. Yes, because my ancient PC could certainly (laughs) rock a 3090.
3: 3090 would fry your uh, processor to your CPU. I'm
0: pretty sure my power supply is not powerful enough (laughs) to
3: power that thing. Your whole house goes dead. (laughs) That'd be bad.
2: Uh, Is there something, though, you would like to plug or promote, Chris? Just a friendly reminder, we do have a lot of
0: stuff that streams here on Geeks.Live. If you're watching the show live now, you can scroll down to the bottom of the page and see our calendar of upcoming live events. So please come back, check out some more live content
3: at www.geeks.live. Ask P,
2: is there anything that you would like to plug or promote?
3: Yeah, I want to uh, send a nice hello off to a a, a a listener, a very special listener to us, Jason Bryant, who just flew off to Tokyo to do his wrestling announcing for the Summer Olympics over there. And More importantly, I want to wish all of the Olympians well during this. I think it's great that the world has gotten together to have competition. I know there's a lot of concerns, but I still think that the world getting together to compete and that it not being dominated, at least so far, by one country we're a couple of days in, I think is awesome to have a true worldwide competition. I just wish it was under better circumstances. So uh, thank you to everybody for that. And also, if you happen to be be interested in Marvel, we talked a little bit about comic book stuff right now. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we just reviewed the Black Widow movie, and we're going to pick up uh, reviewing MODOK, which was a Hulu series that was on earlier this year. That will be fun. Uh, Patton Oswalt is hilarious whenever you watch him or listen to him. And then we're going to be talking what if pretty soon as well. It's just going to, it continues to be a fun ride with Marvel. I know some people have had issue with some of the series, some of the uh, things that have happened, but in the end it's entertainment and we haven't had much of that new this year. So it's good to have at least some, even if we tear it apart because we, we have torn a couple of these things apart over the last few months, but it's it's fun doing it. So go catch that on Legends of Ship.
2: So for episode number 385 of the official Gunna Geek show, I'm Steven Drew saying, yeah, if you want to hear someone tear apart the Loki season finale, go ahead, come to Discord. I'll do it for you.
3: I'm SP saying good luck to Boeing for their launch this weekend.
0: I'm Chris saying don't forget to send your hate mail to JS at GunnaGeek.com. Bye. <laughs>